You're tuned in to the Comics Pals Book Club. This is our monthly session special episode where we pick a book and we read it. And we come on here to review it and discuss it and all that good stuff. Uh, Hopefully you guys have listened to other book clubs in the past. If you haven't, welcome. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about Infidel, uh, which is a comic book by Pornsack Pishet Schultz. I think is how you say his name. Let Kale try. Uh, I could be wrong. Go ahead, Kale. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. Granddad needs to put on his trifocals. Piece of shoddy? Shoddy. Piece of shoddy? (laughs) You did your best, son. Piece of shoddy, Campbell. Uh, okay, great. And uh, also, Aaron Campbell, which is a, let's say, a far easier name to say. Certainly no shade at Pornsack. Uh, <clears throat> coloring and editing on this book was done by Jose Villarubia, which I think is how you say his name. If Marco? not, that's pretty close. That Villarubia. <laughs> no, no there's no... There, there's no- <laughs> Over those letters, man. You better get out of here with that. Wait, what do you mean? Bija, double L's, and then Ru with double. There's two R's next to each other. Listen, I took high school Spanish. There is no J in in the U. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you took middle school Spanish, dude. <laughs> so Fair. it's you know we're having a little fun with it. Uh, it's it's kind of funny that you know we're we're kind of playing with the names a little bit just because of the themes of the book. Um, this is a book that really. Now I feel bad. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess you should. I mean, listen, we told you to you talk did. about this book while white. Um, oh my god! <laughs> listen, you this did. This is what I signed up for. <laughs> uh, I don't want to be here either, guys. Pete was so scared about doing this episode, he kept pushing it back and pushing it back because this book <laughs> gave him actual nightmares. Yep. This book. Didn't give me nightmares, but it definitely made it difficult to eat while I was reading it because it is absolutely <laughs> horrifying. And there are yeah. some gruesome images here. Uh, so this book, Infidel, actually has been optioned for a film, which oh. is Ooh. really not a big surprise really? at all yeah. because it, it has been a big success since it started. Uh, it's a five-issue series that is over now, so if you want to pick it up and you haven't had the chance to read it, I highly, highly recommend that you do that, especially because we're talking about it right now. Um, but I want to start with kind of just a just a just a general question to set the set the tone. Uh, have you guys ever read a comic book that yes. dealt with nailed it? I don't know about that. <laughs> I, like I'm not so sure. Uh, at least in Marco's <laughs> case, uh, have you ever read a comic story that dealt with racism before? Uh, and for the sake of this conversation, uh, mouse doesn't count because that's like oh, yeah. the Holocaust. <laughs> um, so, uh, Marco, you want to start? Uh, March, yeah. Uh, and with that, it was sort of compared to the issues that are dealt here. You know, March was a lot more overt in the way that it handled racism. It was more about the... Uh, what we consider like the bad guy of racism, um, the, the Ku Klux Klan. Um, you have just general bigots and people who protrude this hate. Um, but this is about 
the things that people don't catch and the things that people don't see. And it contextualizes that in horror. And I, this is really, really, it was a really great comparison and great way to drive, uh, horror within race, uh, within racism. So, uh, I have read books with that dealt with it, but not in this sort of way. <clears throat> that was a really, that was a very, very good way to uh, explain sort of what this book is about or what it is. Uh, so thank you for that. Phil, what about you? Uh, yeah, kind of, but not in a, not in an overt way. Um, reading kind of 40 years of X-Men comics is kind of uh, allegorically dealing with race uh, in an era perhaps where it was um, a little more difficult to tangibly talk about. Uh, in a more overt sense, uh, probably. I, I'm actually struggling to uh, think about more overt <sighs> books that deal with it. I'm sure I have. Uh, but the first thing that came to mind for me was, was uh, you know classic Chris Claremont X-Men books. Fair enough. Uh, how about you, Pete? I've definitely read, um, you know... A number of books, if I sat here and thought about it, where race is a theme, but not where race is the theme, you know, uh, because like, you know, I think obviously the X-Men is a good example, but like even something like Saga, like the oh, sure. issue of like a race war is the um, is is the the jumping off point for what the rest of the story is about. And themes of prejudice and otherness and those sorts of things are present in that book, but I wouldn't say that it like it, what it's focusing on is talking about race and racism, and especially not in a grounded, tangible way like this book does. You know, like obviously there's the horror elements uh, which bring a level of you know the fantastical to Infidel, but everything else is, especially if you live on the East Coast, is very familiar. You know. Um, of the five people on the show, three of them lived in New York City, two of them grew up there. So it's like, and uh, I know both Phil and I have spent a good amount of time there over the years. So it's like, it, it feels a lot closer to home than those things. And it feels like it's examples. Um, they just feel a lot more, I don't know, I guess just human. What about you, Kale? <clears throat> I would, I, I think for me, I would probably say that most of the ones I have read have been uh, about the Holocaust. I know you said not to count Mouse, but um, Mouse. Um, and then <laughs> Thanks, uh, <laughs> uh, there's Go also one. There's also one in particular that has has been um, like burned into my brain. Um, I read it for the first time um, when I was very very young in um, <clears throat> in my my grandfather's uh smithsonian book of comic books i've talked about this a long time ago on the show but there's a uh a, a comic in it called master race oh yeah um it's from the 50s and it's it's about uh, a former nazi hiding in new york city and uh he sees a uh i think i think it's uh on the train right a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on the train. That's he a sees, good ass I, book. He sees. I can't remember. He sees someone that he recognized in a concentration camp on a train. And I, can't, I can't remember if it's a victim or another or, or an American soldier or no, no. It's a person from a camp, and he's like overwhelmed with fear of like being identified as a former kind of SS officer. Uh, 
and having to confront the atrocities he committed, you know, 30, 40 years ago, uh, or I guess 10 years ago, based on when it was published. Um, that's a really good one. Yeah, and that's always, always stuck with me. Yeah, um, when I when I thought about the answer to this, um, the main book that came to mind was a book called Strange Fruit by J.G. Jones and Mark Wade. <clears throat> that book is actually very infamous because it deals with it deals with racism in a very overt way. Uh, there's lots of use of the N word. It takes place at a time where relations between whites and blacks are are you know not good and uh, black people are still sort of viewed as you know borderline subhuman at least in this particular time at this era um, and the reason why it was infamous is because both of those creators are white and a lot of people felt that they were not right to tell that story because of that fact and I actually think that that plays a lot into some of the themes of this book um, and something that both creators talked about during their press run for this book. Now, Aaron Campbell is a white man, and there were questions about whether or not he was the right creator to tell this story. Now, he's the artist, um, and Pornsack is Thai, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah, and you know he was asked that question, and I I I don't really have I, I don't really want to necessarily say what he thought. I'm more interested in what you guys think about that. Um, <clears throat> so I this is something that I have a really hard time having an opinion that feels nuanced on because I don't because it's not it's not something that I've ever had to deal with, right? Like I. Most stories uh, are about white men and most stories are written by white men historically in like the entertainment industry. So it's like I and and the idea of having someone who's not white write a story about white men doesn't bother me at all. Um, so it's easy to try and apply that same logic and be like, well, I don't see why it's a problem. But, you know, I I think just like they kind of touch on this issue in Infidel, I think the issue, like how we talk about race and how those things kind of come down are really like, they're kind of, they're not so black and white. You know, I don't think it's, there's a right answer or a wrong answer. And to me, if the takeaway from this book is a, a positive meditation on race relations, then I don't really think it matters who wrote it. Like when I was reading it, I wasn't thinking about, the ethnicity of the creators. You know, I was thinking about the message that they were trying to get across and how that message was conveyed. Um, and, and maybe that's a thing that I can do because of the fact that I, that's been my experience, right? That like, I, I do have that privilege of not thinking about that because it's not something I've ever really thought about. And I, I recognize that if you were, you know, a Muslim American woman, maybe you would feel differently about this book, you know? So uh, I, I don't know. And <clears throat> I think asking that question and the way that it asks that question is one of the things that the book does uh, the best was that it, 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 there are a few moments where it presents the reader with a question 
that I stopped reading and thought about and thought about how it made me feel. And more often than not, the answer wasn't clear. I feel this way or I feel that way as well. You know, uh, it's a, it's a nuanced discussion. And, um, for my money, I think this book does a good job of, of raising those issues and, and presenting them to the, to the reader and asking, well, what do you think about it? Anybody else want to jump in on that one? Um, so I, I appreciate you bringing this up because I actually uh, thought that like when I when I picked up the book, you know, I, I saw the I saw the name, uh, Pichet Yeah, I, I believe that's accurate. Yeah, uh, and uh, and then I saw Campbell. I was like, hmm. <laughs> uh, and and so no, and and actually I had the same thought, and um, I was sort of curious because I was sort of looking at it. Um, from a perspective of like, if I was to write this story, would I have chosen Aaron Campbell, who, who is white and who isn't somebody who might have a specific kind of con- uh, context? Um, and I think it sort of depends. Uh, it depends on what you're trying to portray. Um, and it also depends on how you want to approach the message behind the work. Um, growing up, my... Uh, my parents, they were part of an Ecuadorian organization that put on plays and productions and stuff. And they would have to work out things between either hiring more Ecuadorians when there was so little here in the States or having to include workers who uh, were just musicians outside of their cultural context um, or dancers and stuff like that. And it was always sort of a matter of, I mean, they're here to do the job and I'm okay with them doing this because it doesn't get in the way of what I'm trying to say. And you can feel differently about that. Um, and it's a, for a case-by-case basis. Like if I were to write a specific story about, let's say, Puerto Rico uh, or something uh, like the writer of La Kenya could have worked with any kind of artist but chose another Puerto Rican or another Latin person because that's what he wanted. But you don't have to do that. And um Pisich show didn't do that and I, and that's okay because that's the way he wanted to present his work and if he wanted to work with somebody who was Thai or who was also Muslim or who was who had another uh something some kind of context to add um from an ethnic perspective then sure uh but if not then fine like I don't it doesn't bother me either way and I I don't think it affects the work Kel, I'm very interested to hear what you think about this one. I was actually a lot more interested in what Marco was going to say uh, because, I, for me, with 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 art, I think you have to you really have to hit a certain feel, you know, especially in terms of genre. You know, this is a uh, a book about racism in the horror genre and I don't know uh, for I think I you know I, I don't want to <clears throat> I do well I don't want to step in uh, Pisha Shodi's, um shoes uh, but if I were in this position I, my thought would be to go for a horror artist you know so I don't know. I you know, to me I I don't I don't know exactly 
how the um the genre would affect that i i don't know i don't know that's a that is a really um hard thing for me to uh to answer i i don't i don't have a solid one uh phil phil do you have anything to add it's a really complex topic, obviously, uh, as you can tell by Kale's uh, very wishy-washy, all-over-the-place answer. Uh, it makes me think of kind of historical examples, like uh, like I think of something like Porgy and Bess, which was written by Gershwin, which is a white composer doing like a play about uh, African-American lives and, um, oh, I forget where Porgy and Bess takes place. It's in the South somewhere, I'm guessing. Anyway, that had a lot of controversy, too, because it's a, a fairly well-off white composer in, like, the 40s trying to relate to the struggle and plight of African-Americans. Uh, and as you can imagine, there was a lot of issues of that. Um, and so I think it gets dicey when you have a person try to convey a culture that they're not a part of. Um, I don't know if porn sack... Uh, is muslim or not i don't know how familiar he is with with islam as a as a religion and and those uh those cultures uh ditto for campbell uh but i can see where there would be a bit of um uh, of controversy in that regard um i don't even think you necessarily need to be white for that to be a controversial issue because I think it has. I, I think it's complicated to write about something as sensitive about like race or 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 religion when you're not a part of that race or religion. Uh, well, in this case, both, right? Sure. Yeah. Well, and that's <clears throat> that's sort of the thing for me. Like, especially in the case of the the writing versus the art. <clears throat> you know, as a a visual artist, you can you can capture something right like if you're looking you know especially if you're doing it in a genre you can you can capture a feel you can capture whatever it is you're going for but as a you know having a writer sort of be of of you know the in this case potentially you know let's uh potentially of 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 muslim uh, faith you know he would he would be able to capture what he's looking for in the script you know he would be able to say okay here i want you to emphasize i really want you to emphasize how you know when when she puts on her hijab it really feels like a a security blanket and 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 in the current uh in in the current climate of our culture uh, there is an extreme stigma uh, against people of uh, Muslim faith. Uh, there's an extreme Islamophobia in our culture, and to 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 tackle that now is especially a very delicate subject. I think. I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, <clears throat> it's it's really good that this book takes place in New York because. Obviously, 9-11 happened here, and if you were living here at the time, then it, it, no matter what age you were, really, you are going to, to know what people thought about um, Muslim people at that time, <clears throat> about Middle Eastern people at that time. And I don't think that that stigma has ever gone away 
here in New York. I think it's gotten worse. I think it's um, magnified. Yeah, because I don't even think it's I don't even think it's just New York. Like I do think it's like a countrywide thing. Like obviously there's like a a way more personal aspect to it, but like I I feel like the anti-Muslim uh like attitudes in this country have only gotten worse. It's not even just here, it's Western culture. Like you see it throughout Europe. We're we're getting away from the point that I was trying to make. Uh <laughs> thank you guys. Sure, so thanks. so because this book deals with a bombing of a building, right? It, it immediately evokes those same kinds of thoughts. And that, that go ahead, Marco. Actually, I was going to say, it reminded me of like a couple years back, there was a building explosion around like West 4th or something. I, that was the first thing I thought. I was like, oh, that's exactly what I thought of. It wasn't a terrorist act or anything. It was like a gas thing, but that's the first thing I, that it reminded me of. And, and so that's exactly what happens, right? And that kind of brings me let now I want to like actually dive into the book because there's there's horror elements to it and those are those are the surface level, right? But there's I think what drives the book more than anything is actually the character interactions and the way that these characters feel like real people in a lot of ways. Um you can find elements of these characters in real people that you know. You probably know someone who has said something or or expressed something that was similar to some of the, the conversations that take place in the book. And I think the, the character who best exemplifies what I'm talking about is Grace. So Grace is uh, the Asian girl who is friends with everybody. Uh, she's friends with Aisha and, and, and the, whole, the whole crew. And... Uh, when they're sitting down and having a conversation about the building and about, you know, everything, she, she sort of says, um, oh, well, they blow up buildings in reference to Muslim people. And that causes Aisha to freak out, who is a Muslim uh, person. And Grace sort of says, oh, she goes, uh, oh, I'm not really good at telling who's what. And if you're, if, if you are, a minority in this country that line resonates because people of all kinds it really they don't have to be white the, the fact that she's asian is actually perfect she could have been anything but it, as the fact that she's a minority is perfect because it happens all the time where someone says something they think they're in a quote-unquote safe space to make a comment that's off color or that's expressive of how they really feel about a certain group of people not realizing that that group is represented presently. Um, so the question is, how do you guys feel about the way that this book tackles uh, race relations through these conversations that take place in pretty much every every issue? Um, uh, it's funny because... You know, generally when we, we kind of start these book clubs off, we like offer like kind of our surface level thoughts before we get into like the, the matter at hand. And that that question, uh, my answer is very representative of my overall thoughts on the book, which are I think that those conversations are the most interesting parts of the book. Um, the the horror angle of like how racism plays into like the supernatural elements i found to be way less interesting than the actual just character dialogue you know when they were just sitting and having conversations about um 
and not necessarily about race, but like about racism, you know, uh, though, those were all of the, the most memorable moments of the book to me, you know, where the conversation that you just brought up where they're at the apartment and we, we get introduced to that, that group for the first time, or when they're waiting outside of the apartment to go get the medical records and, um, Ethan is the roommate, right? Uh, there's, it, <clears throat> there's, yeah, Ethan and, Ethan. Yeah, Ethan and Reynolds, yeah. And then Reynolds is the other guy that lives yeah. in the building? Yeah. Right, and there's that whole interaction where Ethan's like, oh, what, we can't trust him because he's white or whatever? Like, it's those moments where there's just the characters facing the reality of how other people are acting or how their own attitudes are responding to these, like, those things were the most engaging parts of the story for me. And it was, it was the... Uh, actually the supernatural element that kind of like, not I wouldn't say lost me, but where I felt like the book got tripped up. Listen, we know you were scared. Um, and and to that actually, and, and to what you were, that same sort of sequence, Sean, uh, I think what the book does really well with it is it makes those subtleties overt by including the horror there. So like in that same sort of uh, scene, Grace goes, you know, I mean, I didn't realize he was Arab. It's bolded. And then right next to it is this face, this like ghost paled face. And it, it, it scares you because one, you know, you're not, you don't expect to see it there. But what it also does, it, it kind of, when, when I see it there going, he was Arab, it's bolded. It's because it's trying to point it out that it's like, oh, you're, it's a generalization. And this generalization is being pointed out with this face next to it where you wouldn't expect it because you think that that's what's okay. And so it, it works in two ways. The, the heart calls out something that because this is from, uh, the perspective of, uh, a minority calls out, calls that out and then includes the horror there because it's trying to make that connection between horror and racism. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um, this the the horror in this book is used, and I think horror is, is often used as a way to heighten or or bring out what's sort of hidden or what's under the surface. Exactly, and in that regard, I think Pornsack and uh, Aaron Campbell did a phenomenal job of utilizing horror because um, the the. The ways in which we see these characters interact and we see how they deal with race, it is horrifying. You know, it is it is scary. It's scary when you are because this book is about well, the, the main character, the central character Aisha, is a Muslim person. But this book is about others. You know, this this book is really about what it what it's like to be an other and and, and how those kind of conversations go down. And I think in a lot of ways, it is horrifying. You see, you see that a lot of these characters are very fearful. Uh, Aisha is full of fear. Uh, Tom, her boyfriend, is very fearful, but he's fearful in a different way. His fear is that something will happen to Aisha. He's overprotective, right? Leslie is fearful because she sees that within herself she has prejudice and she has bigotry and she doesn't know how to handle it. And those things are being brought out by the horror elements. And that's why I think it was so effective. So what, what, where it, it lost me is I, so I, I thought that the book started really strong. You know, I think the, the first couple issues in particular, like really grabbed me. 
Uh, but it, it really didn't stick the landing for me uh, for a couple of reasons where a lot of the characters that you just mentioned, right, as being standout characters, especially in the in the opening issues, are kind of sidelined near the end of the book. And then I remember feeling the ending in particular I found to be really unsatisfying because I felt like they wanted to explain what happened. And that's always a cardinal sin for horror for me. When they try to unravel and be like, you know, we don't like when there's that whole moment where Aisha's kind of like wrapping things up, you know, and she's at her mother's house and she has this thing of like, you know, I don't really know what happened, but here's what I've been able to piece together, you know, and it's like, maybe this is what happens. And it, it, it felt like very like, let's take time to fill in all the blanks that we didn't fill in. And I really didn't want that. You know, and and I think like getting away from those characters and focusing on some of the supporting characters like led to moments that I enjoyed. But like I was never as interested in what was happening after Aisha was no longer the active narrator, you know, Uh, I kind of agree. I think the end for me was sort of uh, I felt shoehorned just because the way they sort of wrap up the um what was it the whole like trial and they were talking about the lawyer and medina was uh what was it uh, no aisha was found innocent and there wasn't any of like those sort of threads were just kind of dropped to what you were saying pete and um i think they were trying to sum something up and towards the end where it just kind of ended you just have to have faith um it was one of those things that i was trying to figure out that i don't really think I took something from that. So I would agree. I, I don't know. The end sort of didn't stick it for me. I thought overall the book was great, but I don't know. The end just sort of got me. Yeah, it, it's it's curious because the first issue, there's a lot of palpable tension <clears throat> with Aisha and Leslie. You know, there's that whole thing where Leslie offers her, I think, pork, and Tom is like, what are you doing, Mom? And it, it kind of leads you down one row where you think like, oh, Leslie's going to be some manipulative, controlling old woman to kind of subverting that. But, you know, the whole thing with Aisha, uh, obviously spoilers, uh, if you um, haven't read the book and you'd like to, you know, I would stop now and read the book and come back. Otherwise, buckle in, folks. Uh, when Aisha is effectively possessed kind of i mean she's not really possessed but she's being assaulted uh by the the the, the, you know like the demons in her building uh and murders leslie and 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 puts chris in a coma uh her neighbor believes that she you know she she saw it and she kind of had a predisposed racial belief into thinking that she was responsible for this this arab woman and then at the end there where she's cleared of all charges like I, I couldn't piece together the like there was a strong theme of, of prejudice based off preconceived uh, prejudice and that climax of the book I didn't feel like there was a payoff for that she's just found innocent I was trying to figure out what the point was the, go ahead <clears throat> well yeah to kind of add to that for me like I think where it loses me, similar to what's already been said, is 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 when you lose Aisha as a driving force. Yeah, because Medina as like the as the vehicle of the book. 
Yeah, after yeah, that. Yeah, because, like, uh, for me, I, like, to your point, Phil, in the first issue, I was really interested in the family dynamic that they set up. Yeah. And then that's, that's like, gone right away. Like, you, there's really very little time invested in that, you I know? Think, I think they kill the mom off in the third issue. It's the second or third issue, yeah, and... um then that leaves like half the book where the characters that I was invested in are not active players, you know? And like, I felt like there were a lot of characters that were introduced that were like, um, kind of similar to how you felt about our, our, uh, the characters in four kids, Sean, like they just felt like they were like a means to an end for me, you know, like, um, I, I, is it, I, is it send Hill or send Hill? I don't know how to pronounce that guy's name. Yes, Sunhill. Uh, yes, yeah. So Tom's best friend. It was like, what was the, like? What did that character actually achieve in the in the narrative? Like, because uh, like, yeah, right. Like he was a body for the pyre, and like I felt that way about uh, Grace as well to an extent. But she at least had the purpose of that conversation that she's involved in, you know. And then like they meet up with her at the coffee house or whatever, and then we literally never see or hear from her again. And it's like, that's fine. Um, and I felt kind of that way about Ethan's buddy, the other guy who lived in the building, whose name I still can't remember, the, the white dude, um, where it was like he felt like he existed so that Medina could say that one thing about him in issue five and, and have or four or whatever and have that moment. And that's fine. I don't mind there being some supporting characters that just exist for that. But like, I just felt like they established so many characters when I really cared about the first four that they showed me. And I and I didn't get enough time with any of them. I I am I so disagree with you guys. Uh, I think that every one of these characters serves a pretty uh, a, a pretty large purpose when you understand what this book is about. The book is about these dynamics, and it's about real people struggling with a real thing. That thing being uh, the very serious problems we have in race relations in this country i mean reynolds and ethan have what for me was the most important conversation of the entire book and the one that i've been thinking about since i finished this book uh which is their their conversation about the the one friend of ethan's or of reynolds. yeah his, high, his like best friend in high school yeah the girl it was ethan's friend okay well the girl who says that uh she he he initially thinks that she only dates preppy guys but then he realizes that she dates white guys and asking what's the difference between somebody having a preference like redheads or blondes uh or or having and and having a preference for for race um and there's a lot of subtext there those are things that i mean sure you could change your your hair color if you wanted to um but you can't change your your race. You know, you can't if you have a certain body type, you can't necessarily alter that. Uh, there's there's a lot of nuance there, and I really was here for those character interactions. And I think for me, the character interactions between um, between Aisha and Leslie are as strong as the conversations that we see all throughout the book because I believe that uh, Pornsack does a really, really great job of delivering the messages that he's trying to convey that ultimately had me asking a lot of questions myself as a person of color. Uh, do you think, Sean, that in the film 
if they do perceive the film that it would approach those those conversations with the same nuance as the book because I can't imagine that it would. Well, I I I would disagree. I think it would work better in the film. Well, he's asking if they would approach it that way. Yeah, I, I'm saying I think I think they would, and I think they would work better. Well, th- this question was actually asked to the creators in an interview, and they kind of just said, you know, whatever they do, the book exists. And they would hope that they would do it right, but that there's there's plenty of examples where they Hollywood didn't choose to do that. Uh, I think if you remove those elements, it's not the same story. But if you, but also if you remove those elements, a story about an apartment building where it's haunted and these tenants have to figure out a way to stop that is interesting on its own. So I could I could easily see them just wanting wanting that part and not the other parts. So going back to um, disregarding the sort of secondary characters, I, I, I do agree that they sort of helped a lot in the way that they uh, just provide context um, because you get different interactions and you get to see different perspectives. And I think that's really helpful even within um, minority groups. You know, you get to see these different people. We talked about Grace. We have Medina. We have Aisha. We have uh, Ethan. Like we have all these people and uh, it, it's ways to have conversation bounce off of different um, off of these different ideas. Uh, so I think they were, I think they were, they were really helpful. And like the latter half is sort of the part where they make it into kind of a chase enticed me um, where it was like a race against time kind of thing. I, I, I enjoyed that for me. It was just like directly after that, where they resolved everything where I had any issue, but up until that, I think, Everything that they that they tried to do, the the sort of conversations that they had and what they were trying to say worked really well. I, I do just want to clarify my position there. Like I don't disagree about the dialogue. I think the dialogue is the best part of the book. Um I just I didn't find many of the characters to be standout. Like I thought that the conversations and the things they were involved in were good and well written, but I wasn't particularly attached to to many of them, you know? That's that's more like the point I was trying to make. Not that like their um, not that their interactions are bad or anything like that because I think that's really the 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 sell of it, you know. But I don't really need to know much about characters for them to have good conversations or interesting dialogue, you know. Like I don't know anything about um again the white dude whose name I keep forgetting, <laughs> but Reynolds, thank you. That conversation that he has with Ethan. Like, you don't really need to know anything beyond what Ethan tells you about himself in that conversation for that to be an interesting, thought-provoking moment or thought or meditation, you know? And I guess that is more my criticism about the characters in the story and the characterization in the story. Your criticism is that you don't need to know anything about them for it to be interesting? No, it's, it's that I think the characters are, are kind of thin. I think that they're the 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 things that they talk about and the way that they talk about them are well written enough that it doesn't matter. But I don't I don't find that there's a lot of depth to any of the characters in terms of their personalities or like what I know about them or what I think or feel about them. Aisha is really the only one who I walked away with like like really like when Ethan died, I was upset because I was like, well, I kind of liked him. He seemed like a nice guy, like a decent dude, but. Aside from that, there was really no other character who, like, I really was like, like, if, oh, like, when Medina died, it's like, well, okay, Aisha lived, that's cool, I liked her. 
And it's not that I disliked Medina. It's just like, I, it, despite the fact that she was the main character for like half the story, I never really felt attached to her. You know, I felt I felt like she felt like a means to an end to talk about broader uh, subjects that I was interested in, you know, but I didn't feel much. I didn't feel close to her or to a lot of these other supporting players. I think that's a I think that's a merited criticism. I think there's uh, I think the book does suffer a little bit from uh, maybe some of the characters supporting characters being thin. Uh, maybe that transition from one main character to another halfway through, but Sean, I think you're right. I think the I think the it's I said this about four kids. <clears throat> it's not really about the characters as much as it's about the themes. It's a book about kind of uh, <clears throat> it's a book about how racism influences our interactions with other people particularly if we live in a more racially diverse area. Um, and that's kind of where the horror element plays out, at least like I think in the first three, four issues. Um, and those exchanges are really interesting and are really compelling. Um, I, I like your point, Sean, about what people say when they perceive that they're in a safe space among friends because at times maybe a more racially insensitive comment will come out of a person's mouth that you never thought of. And you made a point that these are all people that you could see yourself knowing. And I think that's absolutely true. Um, so I could see why for you, Pete, the, the, there was a, a bit of a fizzle out toward the end. And I, I, I share that to an extent. Um, but I think the real meat of this book, uh, from a narrative perspective, is definitely built on the conversations between characters about more uh, racially complex issues. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I mean, in in my case, I I've I've known people like this. Like I've 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 experienced being Aisha, uh, many times, many many times, because I'm multiple different things i'm not just black you know that's the meme but (laughs) i'm also dominican i'm also irish and i've dealt with a lot of people's comments about parts of me that they don't see in me and that i think is where porn sack shines and why i feel so strongly about this book is because it represents that um and then and, and also and I think this is a this is an opportunity to slide into the art also but the way that the book tells its story um visually really sort of feels um cinematic in a lot of ways. Do you know uh, who I kept thinking of uh, yeah. with, with Campbell? I kept thinking Dave McKean. Yeah. It yep. felt it felt mm-hmm. It felt really inspired. Especially the covers. Sure, yeah. But a lot of... When it gets kind of uh, fantastic with, like, the monsters and stuff, the the coloring changes, the panels change. Uh, and it reminded me a lot of, like, Arkham House, uh, Serious House on Serious Earth. And uh, I mean that in the most complimentary way. Uh, his, his, his actual work on the horror aspects of the book... Uh, I think enhance 
that part of it that may have been I don't want to say lacking from a narrative perspective but it does enhance it and, and give it a little more gravitas I thought I I would definitely agree with that uh, because for me the the horror stuff was this this stuff that I felt what like when it worked it worked for me really well like the moment that we described earlier when there was like the subtle kind of haunting of it all that stuff really played for me well um, it was when we got deeper deeper and deeper into that conversation about what the entity is and and what it's doing that i kind of lost interest but the art really um the art is deeply unsettling and and gross and you know uh it makes you uncomfortable yeah and like that is exactly what you want you know like it i think it's a big part of of delivering the vibe that this book is going for and i I like that it sets the scene like on the first panel, like it, it has a fly. It has sort of markings on this person. It has these fingers. Like it, it sets up the the whole book to be like, all right, this is gonna be like fucked up shit, right? And then the the reveal, going back to what you said, Sean, about it being cinematic. Um, the first time we actually see this, uh, this entity, she's sort of trying to find uh, a fuse that they thought blew out on the previous page. It's only like two panels. We're just coming out of some different conversation and then boom, it's just the, you turn the page, it's a full page spread of just this grotesque being and it's abrasive and it's really, it's done really, really well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's, and, and the one, the one thing that really stood out to me about the horror elements of the book is actually, I mean, beyond the fact that it's really creepy, but it's how it's, it's how it fuses with the the narrative that that Pornsack is telling. So there's a particular conversation that takes place between Ethan and Grace and Reynolds. I don't remember if Medina's present, but um they're talking and the panels are like weird. They're not traditional panels. It's a two-page spread, I believe. And and the panels are non-traditional and there's creepy like markings and whatnot all it's over. It's like a that, dead body. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's really and, effective, right? And and again, they're at they're at you know they're nearing the height of their fear, you know. And again, this this book is all about bringing out what's within you through horror. And I think they just did a brilliant job of of sending that message through pages like that. Brilliant stuff. And, the, and apparently, on what Marco just held up uh, was kind of what I was talking about. It. it I I I get real Randy for um, <clears throat> excellent paneling in comic books because so, it's, a, it's such a excellent framing device in trying to tell a story that uh, I don't think is as explored as much in books as it could be. Um, and in what Mar- the two page spread out that Marco held up, uh, I thought it was such a good framing device for a horror book like this. Now my question to you guys is. How much do you think the uh, the the demons in the book are? I guess what are they supposed to represent? So, like, what I'm really thinking of here is the scene where Aisha pushes her mother down the stairs with Chris, uh, her would be uh, stepdaughter. Um, now, is that supposed to be symbolic of? 
of the stressful a situation that she is because they're not supposed to be living there. Tom doesn't want to live there. Um, and the neighbor sees it and is immediately like, that Arab woman just killed that white woman. Like, like is that informed by that predisposed uh, stereotype? Like, what's what do you think the the metaphor is? What 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 what's the like? What what is what is porn sack going for? Like, what does the horror represent? Yes, what does the horror represent? Uh, I mean, it's it's hate, right? Wasn't that supposed to be the takeaway? Was that you know hate can grow and evolve and twist in ways that we don't expect? Wasn't that one of the the lines near the end when she's kind of wrapping it up? Like, and then there was the whole through line with the people who or. The things that she was seeing, what, like whatever you want to call them, um, I believe they're supposed to be jinns. I like looked it up a little bit, and I that's like an Arab um, mythology thing that like evil and jinns are like genies, but they're like it's way deeper than that. But like a a jinn, like a vengeful jinn like that, can be born by somebody who dies and wants to get revenge on the person who killed them. So. My kind of takeaway was that the people that she saw were all these, you know, were all the, the those white people that we had met who had expressed bigotry towards 3B or whatever, you know, the the guy who was the uh, unintentional terrorist, I guess, um, and then projected that onto Aisha because she was Muslim. <clears throat> I I would also go as far as to maybe <clears throat> posit, you know, my theory that, you know, they were out in the hallway having a conversation uh, and the neighbors could probably hear, you know, the, the one that actually saw it, we have to assume was already out, right? So she, I feel like it was like she opened the door to like put garbage out or something. Like it looked like she was yeah. walking out for something casual and just happened to like catch it. Right. I I would assume, and judging by the way these you know these demons or whatever work, the the neighbors you know could probably hear what was going on. So there was probably some energy manifested uh, that made them you know show up. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know that it's ever really, really clear. But what I got out of it personally was, again, just that the the feelings of the people in the story were made real by these demons whenever they would feel them. So, for example, uh, when 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 Aisha is is in the when they're having that conversation. In I forget whose house, but Grace says the when well, yeah when Grace says the, the the thing that you know kind of the you know makes that comment. Um, there's like a a little creature in the in the plant or whatever, and it freaks Aisha out. And it's any time that there's something prejudice said, or any time that someone feels fear, or any time that someone's angry at the end when Tom is full of rage towards Medina, there's a demon on his back. You know? Um, so I think that that's where they get their power from. They, they become empowered by other people's negative emotions. So real quick, I had a, a question I wanted to present to you guys now that we're in this section of it. Do you guys remember, I want to say it's an issue one or two, uh, 
when Leslie takes the knife from Aisha and she sees the oh. reflection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. What the fuck knife. was that about? I was really confused by that because I thought the takeaway was that only people who had experienced the the like hate could see it. Because like the neighbor couldn't see it, and there was like another character who couldn't see it, who was like another just like like you know whatever random white person who got involved. And I was wondering what you guys thought about that. Like, what? Why did she get a glimpse of it when none of these other people did? So you're talking about the like the reflection in the knife specifically? The yeah, she yeah, like she, Leslie issue. has a moment where she's like, "Oh, I thought I never mind." It's because Leslie herself has prejudice feelings. She feels fear and prejudice towards various kinds of people. There's a moment where she sees a black guy on the on the bus, on the train, and she clutches her purse. But in that very panel, you can see sort of disgust on her face. And I think it's disgust at herself for feeling those ways. And I think that that is manifested because when she has the knife in her hand... Maybe there's a flash of of that of those mm. prejudiced feelings of her. So you're saying because she yeah. feels bad about the fact that she's prejudiced, that's why she can see it. It's probably it's probably I don't think. Well, who can see it? What are you saying, Leslie? Leslie can see the ghosts or whatever. I don't think chance. Leslie can see the ghosts. She, it, she it, does the knife. She sees what we presume to be a reflection of one of the. Yeah, she demons. sees the reflection of she's, the. the she sees it in herself, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and like that, I I buy that. I guess I'm just wondering why her, and I wonder if it is that self actualization that she's going through. If that's supposed to be the takeaway, because the the neighbor who accused Aisha of the thing, uh, the the only other takeaway I could think of would be, did she not see it because she wasn't actually racist, or you know, like what was like why why is Leslie different in that? In, in this specific thing, when, like, the book makes a point to point out to us, like, Medina says we can't trust somebody if they can't even see these things. Because Leslie was feeling fear. She almost got stabbed. She grabs a knife. She's in an, a, a heightened emotional state. Like I said, I think this is based around emotion. She's in a heightened emotional state. She's feeling fear. She recognizes the prejudice within herself. She looks at the knife. She sees her in her own reflection. I think Sean's right. I mean, that's kind of my impression too. If if, if these jins are supposed to be emblematic of um, kind of negative emotions, and they persona uh, they're personified through that, her seeing that reflection in the knife is not only her cognizance of her own bigotry, but it's personifying her being paranoid that her daughter-in-law is upstairs wielding a knife freaking out because her mind immediately went to a more bigoted place from that. Yeah. I I did think that that was Leslie was such an interesting character because I, I thought that that whole, uh, the way that like we saw our expectations of her subverted were really interesting to me Um, because even when, when like Aisha is like going crazy, um, I don't know. Did you guys get the impression? Like, I got the impression that she still had those thoughts at the back of her mind. But when there's actually the moment where she's like bugging out and she's like, "Hey, stay away!" Like, we're gonna figure it out. But right now, like, you're not right in the head. Like, it definitely seemed like she was coming from a place of like genuine um concern and like trying to 
overcome those feelings. Because like you said, Sean, I also got the impression that when she felt herself recoil on the bus that she was like, felt shame for the fact that she did feel that way, you know? And that's actually how I sort of viewed why she was able to see it is because she's or sort of in that realization, that point where she can call call herself out on these things and and catch herself. And that's why like that is sort of the, the takeaway I got from that. That that makes a lot of sense to me. I hadn't thought about it that way, but us talking about it, like I, I feel like that's kind of my takeaway, too, because that seems to be the only tangible difference between her and these other people that couldn't see them is that like she is far enough along like on her like you know journey with this that like she is coming to a place of of realizing like how how ingrained those feelings are right yeah right and like even when she like talks about it with chris kind of briefly and she like mentions that the root of it is this traumatic thing that happened and that it's fear and that it's like you know fear is leading her to to be hateful and that like you know that isn't um necessarily true to her nature maybe yeah um and 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 again that's why this book I, I, i feel is so great is because there are so many questions that you can ask about it you know there's there's so many Ways that you can approach thinking about it. Uh, I, I'm I'm really intrigued by the different ways we came away from this book. Um, just because not all books do that. A lot sure. of a lot of comic books do not do that. And this is the first comic book, or actually, this is the first piece of content that I've ever experienced in any way that that kind of combines horror with a conversation about race and xenophobia and all those other things. And that that's really unique and special. And I, I want to see more of this kind of thing represented. Um, and the well, re- we should read some Swamp Thing, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, well, when you said that, my first thought went to Get Out, which was... Yeah, and this actually came out after Get Out. So it's funny that you guys bring that up because... They're asked in an interview whether or not they felt like Get Out's success is a part of the reason why this book got picked up for a movie so quick. And they said, yeah, absolutely. Um, because they Get Out breaks that ground. And now Hollywood believes that people are more intrigued by these kinds of stories. And again, when you have <clears throat> minority creators and they have the capacity to tell their own stories... That's when you get to see things that are unique, like this book, like Get Out. So I'm happy that this book exists. And uh, I guess just final takeaways before we close out here. Um, final thoughts and would you recommend this book? Kale, you want to start? Uh, final thoughts. I it, it was it was fine. You know, I think for me, you know, it's it's like I said, I think. <clears throat> Once you lose the the driving uh, vehicle, you know the driving character behind the book. It <clears throat> for me, it sort of falls flat. I think the the dialogue and and the the characters surrounding the action, maybe not the characters, but the dialogue is all it. it the conversations are all interesting, and they are they are all gripping, but they don't. 
it's 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 hard for me to say that they serve the story in a way that <clears throat> both works for the horror and serves the allegory you know it, it I, I never really feel like it does both um I I can't help but feel like if if Aisha were in this whole book it would work better um that said you know I it was it was a good read you know the first two issues were were very good the the, the tension was palpable uh you know the the art is you know grotesque in in the right places and and fantastic and and you know Aaron Campbell's uh, penciling and 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 everything else is <clears throat> is is tremendous uh <clears throat> as for recommending it I think there are other things I would recommend first. In the comics horror genre? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, how about you, Phil? Um, well, I think that... <laughs> I, I think that... Uh, I, I, I think it was pretty good. I, I think the setup was really good. I think Pornsack did a really good job of establishing his characters uh, early on. Um, I think to what you said, Sean, I think he did a great job of introducing complex subjects and meaningful dialogues between his uh, characters and supporting characters. I do think it falls off a bit uh, in the fourth and a little more so in the fifth. Uh, but I do think it overall was a pretty good book. Uh, I would recommend it to other people. And I'm curious what a film adaptation would look like. Uh, all in all, I think this is a pretty good entry into like the. I think doing horror in comics is actually really challenging, uh, because it's so easy to jump ahead, and kind of spoil things for yourself. Uh, and I think one thing that this book falls short on a little bit for me is I think it turns a little bit schlocky in the fifth issue where it's like we have to survive the ambush of these monsters and people start dying left and right, which is kind of a horror trope. Um, but its framing is interesting. The art is really complex and fascinating, and I really uh, took a lot of that too. Um, I think I think overall this is a really solid book. Uh, I'd give it a nice seven and a half out of ten. I think so. That's where I'm at. Pete, I would say I echo a lot of the the sentiments that have been put out here by Phil and Kale. Uh, I enjoyed the book. Like I. I I think honestly, when I was done with it and I was kind of trying to sit and ruminate on it, I remember thinking I, I remember thinking of how you described four kids, uh, Sean, where it was like, uh, there was, I didn't not enjoy reading it. Like I, I found it to be an enjoyable read, but I didn't take away from it as much as I thought I was going to, uh, especially after the first and second issue, which really gripped me, you know, uh, I think first issues are oftentimes, you know, like we make the joke on the show, a first issue is a first issue. I thought the first issue is is arguably the best one, um, or at least the first two were for me. And 
I, as much as I was really into the overall idea, I was really into the themes and, and at times how it chose to explore them. I had a lot of significant problems with the actual execution of the story. And in terms of just like, you know, like I said, I think it really failed to stick the landing for me. And it set up a lot of character dynamics that I found interesting and then really didn't develop them as much as I had hoped. And uh, I, I remember hitting a point near the middle of the book where I was still really, really engaged and I was waiting for all the pieces to come together and for it to kind of click for me and for that deeper meaning to really show itself. And I just feel like it never quite got there. You know, and, and then I think at the end, it did a lot of telling me what it wanted to say and how I was supposed to feel rather than making me walk away feeling those things. And considering it did such a good job of asking big questions and making me sit with them, uh, the fact that it didn't do those things well uh, was really disappointing to me. And I, I think my ultimate takeaway is that I think it had a lot of really nuanced things to say and... It did and said those things well, but I really don't know how much I feel like the horror element of the story served its its greater purpose. And I think that dissonance keeps it from being a great book for me. It was a book I enjoyed. It's a book I'm glad I read because I don't know that I would have otherwise. Um, but in terms of like, if somebody was like trying to get into comics or or you know looking for for that image recommendation from me, I I don't know that this would be one of the the first books I recommended. But if somebody was like, "Well, I'm really into horror," um, it might be, you know, good, not great. Okay, uh, Marco. To start off, yes, I would recommend this book. Um, actually, I had had a conversation with a workmate who had. Read, recommended me this book because she's also into horror comics um so i hadn't heard about it previously and uh, just based off reading yeah i would definitely recommend it um i think for how sort of the art ex play uh how the art works with the story and the message it sort of tries to push i think it for me amplifies it i think it does a lot in tandem with the writing and with the sort of larger idea that it's trying to push uh, specifically in those parts that are nuanced um, because they get accentuated here. And I think that that's good because it's sort of uh, a way to make these things aware and to what I said earlier, also play up the horror there to, to give you that suspense and to give you that sort of push that pointing idea. Um, and overall, I think the message works I, I was hooked through to the end um to what you guys were saying I, I definitely agree i think the first issue was um excellent it, it grabbed you it told you what it was about uh and then it i think paid off all the way up until the very end for me everything uh where she gets out of the hospital i think to what pete sort of mentioned it tries to wrap everything up in, in a bow and I think it it doesn't do that that well um, as for everything else I really think that it does everything well very 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 well um, for me this is like a 9 out of 10 this is a, a, a really good horror book and I'm, I'm glad I read it obviously I'm the one who picked this so I would recommend it I would recommend it specifically to people who are into horror comics because I think it like for me, this is one of the the best horror comics I've ever read. I think it does horror uh, extremely well. Uh, you know, most 
horror, specifically psychological horror, um, is is meant to sort of take what's inside and and bring it out and manifest it. And I think this book does that very, very well. Uh, Pornsack had some stuff to say here and he had some stuff to get off his chest. If you read the back matter of the actual issues, it's very clear how he sort of took his real life and put it into this book in some ways. And some of the more lofty questions that that he's asking himself. Um, And what I love about it so much is that I don't I don't agree with uh, what you guys kind of were saying earlier, specifically Pete, about how it gives you the answers. I actually feel like it doesn't give you the answers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it it leaves you. I, I was left questioning a lot of things after reading it. And I think that that's the point. Ultimately, that's why the house can't be destroyed or the building. Rather, it's because the building represents our hatreds, our fears, our you know, prejudices, and that's not going away. And so all that's left after the fact is to ask those questions. And I think that's really the best message this, this book possibly could have left me with. Anything else would have felt cheesy and, and fake. So uh, in that regard, I think it's brilliant. I think Aaron Campbell did a great job. And um, I'm happy that we read it. So... Hopefully you guys enjoyed this installment of the book club. Uh, this is a monthly thing that we do. So if you like this, be sure, of course, to drop us a like and let us know what you think about the book uh, on your platform of choice. Um, you can also reach, uh, reach out to us on social media at the Comics Pals. You can write to us at the Comics Pals at gmail.com. Um, and uh, if you're on YouTube and checking this out, of course, you can leave us a like, drop us a comment, share the video with your friend. And subscribe to our channel. It's free to do. And all those things help us out a lot more than they cost you to do. Uh, So that's going to do it here for this installment. Tune in in November because then we'll be releasing Kale's next book, which is... Uh, I believe it is Pride of Baghdad from Brian K. Vaughn and someone else. (laughs) (laughs) That is correct. And it's dropping November 30th. Last, last day of the month. So that gives you a whole month. Get reading. Be thankful for that because it's there Thanksgiving. Ah. And with that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. Spooky scary. See you next month. Deuces. Do they make Thanksgiving comics? <laughs>